This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are Greg Allen and Bilal Dardai, uh, who are here to talk about the neo-futurists. Greg is the founding director. Bilal is an ensemble member. He also works as booking coordinator. Um, and I have a feeling that many of the ensemble members are jacks of all trade to keep the company going. Um, but I wanted just to talk about the neo-futurists and their particular approach to theater and their place in the Chicago theater scene. Greg has been, uh, well, Greg started the neo-futurists in 1988, Eight. so it's <clears> 23 years. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, Greg, you could just kick off with uh, what your idea was, what the impulse was, what you wanted to do and why. Wow, that's a lot of things. There were a lot of ideas that went into creating the neo-futurists. Um, so just even the time itself was fairly original. Uh, when in 1988, there were no late night theaters at mm, the time. I, mm-hmm. um, I was given an opportunity to put together a show, um, either off night, late night, what have you, uh, at stage left theater back in 1988. And so my friend Blair Thomas, who'd gone to Oberlin with me and probably know Blair, um, said, you know, some places have midnight theater. And I said, wow, really late night theater. We're young people. We're looking for things to do late at night. So the idea of doing a show at 1130 at night was uh, pretty inspiring. And, uh, that was certainly uh, one of the elements I wanted everything about the show to sound alternative and not not what you usually expect when you go to the theater. So we had a random admission. Instead of doing one play, we'd do 30 plays. We had this crazy title called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind. Um, the audience would be given name tags. At that time, we brought them on stage and interviewed them and then put them into the audience. So we kind of knocked them off kilter uh, from the get-go because I wanted to say, well, theater can be different than what uh, your mother's theater is. And, um, I had explored at, at Oberlin college where I met Blair. Um, I had been introduced to the Italian futurists, which is an art movement in pre-world war one, Italy, and really became a fan of their, uh, fiery talk and manifestos and short plays. <laughs> and so by studying the Italian futurists and Dada and surrealism and fluxus and, Augusto Boal's work and experimental uh, staging through Richard Schechner and performance art and all these things at Oberlin, I kind of put together my own aesthetic of what theater could be uh, and was not. Um, a lot of the theater I saw in Chicago very much relied upon the fourth wall, upon the same relationship to the audience that I found movies giving us. Mm. And that was not intrinsically what theater has. Uh, theater, by its very nature, is live people in front of other live people and can create a human connection between human beings. And so I wanted to create a theater that would explore that very viscerally, very honestly, um, in a, in a form that has now become neo-futurism, uh, where we are always ourselves on stage. Everything we say is true. Everything we do is an actual task. They're random elements to keep both the performers on their toes and the audience on their toes. There's planned obsolescence to our work uh, in terms of any, you know, we have been doing too much light makes the baby go blind for 23 years now, but obviously not the same menu of 30 plays. Thank God. Uh, we've created 7,600 something plays to date. 
And any time you come to the show, you're you're guaranteed of seeing uh, world premieres since the previous week, almost entirely new show since the month before. So all these ideas, um, to me, really put forth uh, my belief of what theater was, which was a, a way of cutting through a lot of the artifice and distance that you find between people and actually find it creating a, a venue for us to deal with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's almost more sociological, anthropological study than it is entertainment, certainly. It seems like one of the things that's so striking is to say, you know, everything we say is true and uh, we are ourselves. Because then is it theater? Why is it theater? I I don't quibble about the title theater. I mean, I... I call it performance in general. Mm -hmm. I refer to us as performers, not actors. Mm -hmm. I I think that's where I really draw the line. I think actors are people who are trained to become someone else on stage. And we really, since we don't do that, we are performers. We're not actors. I'm a lousy actor. And yet I've been performing every week on stage since, uh, since 88. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really, in some ways, what we do as neo-futurists really cuts to the quick of, of performance that mm-hmm. we don't have to go through all the training of learning how to adjust our voices and our bodies and pretend something else. There's no pretending in what we do for the audience or for ourselves. We try to create an unreproducible event on stage. Mm-hmm. Well, this question would make sense probably for both of you. Um, are you actually yourself or are you a version of yourself? Is there something different about the self that you are in this space, in this setting? The aim is really to try to be ourselves as much as possible. Mm-hmm. At the same time, just understanding that by the very nature of being on stage where people are looking at you, there is a certain element of artifice or uh, kind of armor that you put right. on. Uh, even me speaking to you here, uh, there's a certain artificiality to me uh, being a little more eloquent and enunciating a little better uh, <laughs> here so that people can understand me. And and that by its very nature is the, the case, uh, is is the truth of, of theater and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we say is we strive to be ourselves to the best of our ability, just like we strive to perform 30 plays in 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would ask that actually um, that it, it kind of follows you away from this theater. I mm-hmm. feel like um, the seven years I've spent here, I feel I am, I am more like honest. I would say I, I'm more open with a lot mm-hmm. of things, um, that I've shared on stage and it's just, it, the, the line starts to blur, uh, between, you know, who you are on stage and who you are in real life anyway. Uh-huh. You do, you bring more of yourself to the stage mm-hmm. and then who you brought to the stage starts to yeah, go starts to filter away back with you. And, uh-huh. yeah. That's yeah, an interesting they definitely process. kind of, um, feed each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your events in your life wind up on stage, your events on stage wind mm-hmm. up in your life. Um, there are certainly neo-futurists who've gone on to perf- perform as actors in other shows, and it's often become difficult for them to drop the full awareness of, of being yourself on stage. Definitely. When someone sneezes in the audience, you say, right. bless you. Right. And, and traditional uh, theater directors don't like that. Not right. <laughs> right. so much, no. That's interesting. I just happened to have been this weekend at a, a workshop by a, a clown talking about clown work. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things he said is distinctive about clown, that mm-hmm. nobody's pretending that you're not in a relationship, the audience, yeah. everything is acknowledged that the mm-hmm. audience does. Did you have any 
background in clown? I do not have any background in clown. Uh, we happen to have Dean Evans in the ensemble, who is is a fabulous clown. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most recent show that we're mounting, opening uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burning Bluebeard, has a lot of clown work in it. And mm-hmm. I think everybody in it has uh, taken classes in clowning. And yeah. so the the aesthetic of clowning and neofuturism really fit together well. We've had mm-hmm. a few. I mean, Adrian Danzig was uh, was an ensemble. Oh, and was he? Also, yeah. 500 yeah. Clown. Adrian yeah. and, and Blair and I all went to Oberlin College together. And then Adrian started 500 Clown. Blair started Red Moon and mm-hmm. Blair Thomas Productions. And I started the neofuturist. So, yeah, Adrian was uh, an early neofuturist as well. That was a good crop at Oberlin. Yeah, how about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, maybe we can talk uh, a little bit of the the course of the company. And you you started out only doing too much light. How, where did the name come from, by the way? Uh, the name actually comes from Overland as well. It's a, a piece of found text uh, from a uh, study, a case study of an autistic child who uh, did not respond very much, other than to smash light bulbs and then quietly say to himself, too much light makes the baby go blind. Too mm-hmm. much light makes the baby go blind. So uh, I proposed it to be the title of the show it was in back at Oberlin. The professor wasn't up for it. And I said, <laughs> well, one day I'll I'll create a show with that title. And so when this show came around, the 30 plays in 60 minutes concept, and I was looking at the neo-future, uh, the Italian futurist, uh, it seemed vaguely Italian futurist, kind of this catch-all interesting phrase. Uh-huh. So I just went for it. So it doesn't have a particular meaning to you. It was just something it's, cool sounding. It's more, <laughs> found text. more, more random yeah. uh-huh. pastiche. Indeed. Yeah. Right. We've skipped a lot of steps. And I feel like for anybody who doesn't actually know what the near futurists do, they still don't know what the <laughs> near futurists do. So let's quickly just fill in a little bit. Um, describe, you know, whatever your standard cocktail conversation version of what is too much light makes the baby go blind. Start with that. Uh, okay. Too much light makes the baby go blind is a, uh, it's an attempt. It's a nightly attempt to perform 30 plays in 60 minutes, 30, um, different types of types of plays. They'll be serious. They'll be funny. They'll be angry or political. They'll be abstract. Um, and they're all coming from this, uh, this place of personal honesty. Um, as we, as we discussed earlier, the, uh, um, the core of that is honesty. Um, the show is performed in a random order. Uh, the audience shouts out the number that they would like to hear. We perform it. Uh, we begin the, each play with the word go We end each play with the word curtain. And at the word curtain, the audience yells out the next number. Um, we start the clock at the top of the hour. We don't stop the clock for anything except for pizza delivery. Um, (laughs) and death. death. We have never, never tested that. Um, but it's just the order that changes, not the actual total uh, the, repertoire. Uh, for, in, for, the the, for that yeah, night. For, for that evening, yeah. Um, although in internally, internally there are things in the plays that can be um, – which where we allow for, for chance and mm-hmm. surprise and mm-hmm. uh, things that are open. Um, uh, the fact that we reduce a lot of the audience as response is actually a, a major component right. of, of that, of um, – how they choose to respond to a question you ask them or a, uh, a task you require of them. Um, what happens when you pull them on stage? Mm. Um, and that can affect that play internally and that can affect the rest of the evening. And if it's, if it's good, you'll keep with it, even though you know, you're not going to run over. You try mm. pretty hard to do all of them. Is we, that fair? <laughs> we, do, we do our best. Yeah. We don't speed up the plays in order to finish. We right. try to speed up and hustle in between the plays. Right. Mm-hmm. But if something is happening, 
like with an audience member that's mm-hmm. you're riffing that's, you just let that happen we, we've accepted that right yeah. i right. think that's one of the elements of of chance and and change as well uh, once you are open to audience participation audience interaction you have to be able to let a play go anywhere it goes right. and mm-hmm. acknowledge whatever happens on stage Although so that keeps us faking. honest yeah right yeah keeps us honest yeah. as, as well um and then talk just again quickly about the process by which you create the plays for that week. You've got, you keep most from the week before, but mm-hmm. you talked about planned up obsolescence. A few of them go out the window. Um, every, um, so we do the show three times a week and on Friday night and Sunday night, we have an audience member roll a six sided die and the total is, uh, what we have to remove from the menu. So anywhere from two to 12 plays get removed every single week. Um, for the next for, week. For the it's next not affecting week. that night's performance. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so by the next week, 2 to 12 have to be written, rehearsed, and ready to be performed. Uh, Does everybody groan when double sixes come up? There's there's a bit of a groan, yeah. <laughs> so it depends. I mean, it, um, sometimes sometimes if you've been rolling very low for, mm-hmm. for a few weeks, if you rolled like twos and threes and fours, then you actually have plays in the menu that you're tired of and mm-hmm. you can't. You can't get rid of them. Uh-huh. And you also have a backlog of plays you want to put in that right. uh, there haven't been an opportunity to put those in. Right. So it depends on kind of where where we've been the last mm-hmm. weeks. So now talk about where the plays come from. Okay. We write, uh, as opposed to working together, we pretty much write individually the mm-hmm. pieces. Each individual play you see in Too Much Light is pretty much owned by an individual artist. Um, there's usually one author per play. We write them individually, bring them in on Tuesday night. We share all the titles of the plays we have, and then we each present a play going around the circle once again. Uh, it is printed out and cast usually ahead of time. We pass it out to the people. We do a cold reading or a presentation or walk through the piece or present it however we think would, would let others in the ensemble understand that to their best ability. Uh, we then go around and around until all the plays that are new for that evening have been presented. They, we then go around the circle again and choose a play that is not of our own authorship. Mm-hmm. So you need someone to champion your piece outside of yourself. You can't say this is the most brilliant thing ever written. And then you can, but nobody cares. Someone <laughs> yeah. else has to yeah. agree. Right. All right. And uh, the, the company itself is run by consensus, which is unique uh, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But certainly too much light is run the same way so that we all kind of say, yeah, that should go in the show or we have questions or whatnot until we basically wind up putting in as many plays uh, as, as we have opportunities. We discuss all the plays that are, that are proposed. Mm. And then we have our new slate of, say, eight new plays. Um, then it goes back to the author of the individual plays to direct and stage the play. Our technician comes in and runs lights and sound, uh, that later on Tuesday night, like eight o'clock. And so we have fully staged and rehearsed a play by the end of our rehearsal, say 11 o'clock on Tuesday nights. We come back two hours early on Friday night to run the new material with tech. Hopefully everyone's memorized and off book by that point. Um, run anything old we need to go over and then mm-hmm. we do it in front of an audience. The next night we get together an hour and a half before the show on Saturday. We all give notes, collective notes on how everything went the night before, run anything we need to do the show, come back on Sunday an hour before the show, do the same thing, do the show. By then we'll have rolled the die on Friday and Sunday night, know how many new plays to cut. After the show on Sunday, we have a very egalitarian system for cutting the plays as well. Mm. And, uh, and we cut however many we've rolled and are ready to go for another week. And how many hours a week is that whole process for the ensemble? 
Um, well, let's see. If I estimated about 20 before. 20 I think. total? I uh, think so. Not well, including the time you're writing on your own. Well, yeah. And no, I, th- I think including. The, including yeah, including, yeah, including yeah. some of the writing on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody has, you know, different writing, you know, how their, their techniques are. I mean, some people are able to write Sunday night right after they get home, and some people are writing the hour before right. rehearsal. So. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, it comes out to about 20, 20 hours a week or so, depending on how quickly you write. Mm-hmm. And is it possible to ha- – so in terms of hours, it's possible to have a full-time job. I presume people have to have I, I day do. jobs. I do, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Many of us do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, and some people kind of cobble together part-time jobs, right. as I do. Uh-huh, to kind of squeeze mm-hmm. around the edges. Well, go back to this concept of – well, that sounds kind of goofy, but the, the, you said everything is true. Mm-hmm. And that could mean – more than one thing. It doesn't mean that everything is a documentary, that it's reenacting something that happened. In fact, it's not because then that would be false as well. Mm -hmm. So we don't reenact something because it's already happened. Instead, we try to set the stage for something to happen. Mm -hmm. But yet it's scripted. So that's a very Mm -hmm. hard to convey. It's an element of artifice that creeps into our, our, our work. Uh, that is essentially non-neo-futurist. Um, to me, however, it sets up the show to be a little more thoughtful, a little mm-hmm. more intentional. We can explore different forms more readily. Um, than if it were just improvised. Than, than improvised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find improvisation fairly, uh, uh, superficial. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was not interested in that. Mm -hmm. I have no background in improv anyway, but uh, being ourselves, we try to honestly respond to whatever's happening in the moment. So we don't go in with any preconceived sense of this is the emotion I'm supposed to have at Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, we've often been criticized for kind of having no affect as we're performing. We just say the lines as if we were doing choreography. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk a bit about the suspension of disbelief and uh, how that's actually what we are deliberately avoiding Mm -hmm. Um, like what in in too much lighter and other neo futures work. We are not um, the audience should not be transported to some other place. They're always going to be in the space that they are in. Um, We, I mean, we'll do things on the stage where, where characters are quote unquote played, but within that we are also making a point to acknowledge the audience that we know we are playing characters. Mm-hmm. It's where the self-referential kind of element of exactly. neo-futurism the comes in. theatrics we're, we're acting with Brechtian quotations around right. us. Mm-hmm. Then the audience is aware that, oh, we are not pretending to be that person. We are pointing at that person. So, okay, but it isn't only things that happen to you, right? The right. plays no. are not. So what's the next category of stuff? Um, things that we are observing. Um, we do a lot of work with uh, current events and in, in terms of the obsolescence, it, we also talk a lot about um, whether or not the piece is timely anymore, mm-hmm. whether the thing we are responding to is not something that either we or the audience are still feeling the same about. Right. And even if it's only had like two weeks, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. So. Um, is there anything that has survived for a really long time in the repertoire? Not in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple things. Form plays that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, there's a series of deja plays, as we call them. There was a, a play in oh I don't know, like the first or second year that I, I just I think it was actually the first year mm-hmm. um, called Deja Vu, where 
I proposed that we would just do the previous play again to the best of our ability, exactly how it was done. So we, in the we, same night, you just do it night. twice. So, uh-huh. And it, so we repeat whatever play came right before it. Mm-hmm. And so deja vu is pulled down off the clothesline. We call go and we do the previous play exactly as it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, that has spawned a lot of other, uh, versions, uh, of deja vu from deja chicken to deja pirate <laughs> to, uh, deja corner foster and Ashland, mm-hmm. where we do the play, do the previous play out on the corner. Um, uh, we do it, uh, deja surgical hands. Well, Right. Deja chicken. Deja, Deja, Deja chicken is uh, where we we repeat the previous play, but in chicken voice, um, clucking our clucking way the through time. the the piece, except for proper nouns, which if you translate proper nouns, always wind up still being proper nouns. So it's kind of buck 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 Mississippi buck buck buck. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah. Um, and that's just fun. That's just, just fun. fun. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Truly fun. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, yeah, certainly some of the things that we're doing in the show are just about, I thought this would be fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yet it's not meant to be comedy. I mean, you wouldn't no. call this late night comedy no. by any stretch. No. Um, well, so somewhere along the way, you started to do more than just that show. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I know about the Beckett show. I saw the Ibsen show. You did this O'Neill, um, uh, strange, strange interlude, interlude uh, which was fantastic. Um, so then how, how similar is the impulse to do these other pieces that aren't, I mean, maybe autobiographical isn't the right word, but that aren't you. And how different is it? And I think they really run the gamut, uh, depending on what the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly done some kind of uh, high referential stuff, like my com- the last two minutes, the complete works of Henrik Ibsen, Strange Interlude, K, which is adaptation of Kafka's The Trial, um, things like that. But then also, uh, we have done a number of pieces that have their roots in autobiography. Um, for me, um, a child's history bombing was very specifically mm-hmm. about my uncle's, uh, uh, working on the Manhattan project when he was a young kid. Um, we've, uh, we've explored all sorts wait, of wait, different. Wait, wait, he didn't work on the Manhattan project when he was a young kid. Well, when he was 20. Oh, I see. That kind of not, young not kid. Not like five. <laughs> okay. but, but I mean, in, in, <laughs> right. when you look back at it, he, he was some right. young To be doing guy, something like that, right. You know, yeah. Right. Um, who was pulled in to create a, a new element. Um, right. Uh, and looking at the contemporary, uh, you know, American military atrocities at the time, um, we, you know, it, it just kind of really depends on the project. Jay Torrance, whose new show is called Burning Bluebeard, always seems to work in a certain amount of, of personal, uh, elements to the show. And at the same time, this is about the Iroquois theater fire in 1905. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's great is having the, the authenticity of neo futurism as a backdrop to all of our full length shows always kind of guarantees certain elements of, I, I think it really just guarantees an approach that we are ourselves on stage mm-hmm. for, for strange interlude. Obviously it was these five performers are putting on this show for you. Mm-hmm. And so at no time did you think the actors believed they were the character mm-hmm. you were watching the actors do the show, but then other shows, it's very clearly Bilal speaking as Bilal, Jay speaking as Jay. Um, so, and you know, we really, I, I think uh, we have a huge diversity in, in a, in the 75 primetime full length mm-hmm. shows we've done. Mm-hmm. How many? 
75. About 75. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So like that's the number of posters on the wall. Yeah. yeah. So. Would, um, from things you've said along the way, most particularly that you are not actors, would mm-hmm. it be fair to say that you are first writers or is that too simplistic? Um, I think, I think it's individual. I think mm-hmm. you'd have to ask individual ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you yeah. consider yourself primarily a writer. I consider myself a writer first. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I've also spent a lot of time doing sort of conventional acting. Um, mm-hmm. and other members of the ensemble have no interest in pursuing that. Um, uh, some people have come to us as primarily performers first. Uh, I would say, I mean, we've had, I mean, everybody, everybody who has joined the ensemble has something in their written voice that we found attractive. Is that how you get looked at for an ensemble? I mean, to people try come something? in with original two minute pieces of right. their own devising, but uh-huh. some of those people, their background is clown. Mm-hmm. Some is slam poetry. Right. Some is, uh, I mean, Caitlin Stankin was a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, debate has been the background for some folks, some, sometimes improv. I mean, I really consider myself primarily a director. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people are actors, uh, writers. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it really does run the gamut. But everybody ends up doing all of it, right? Well, not directing necessarily. Well, well, you, they you, all have you are these directing in your own pieces. Yeah. Staging right. your own pieces right. in too yeah. much light. And um, let's talk quickly about the audience. Okay. Um, uh, is it the same people who come to Too Much Light as come to what you're calling the primetime shows, the kind of more more I feel play-like like, plays? I feel like we're we're we've been. Um, working very hard to make those audiences meld a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, it's, always, much, yeah. it's always been a challenge. Yeah. Um, I do think it kind of depends on the, on the, the prime, the full length show mm-hmm. as well as to what kind of audience it's pulling in. But I do think in recent years, we've done much better at having greater crossover. Why is that important mm-hmm. to you? Um, mainly so that people know us as a company and know us, no neo futurism as something more than breaking something into thirty plays in sixty minutes. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, when I when I first premiered K like fifteen years ago, people thought, "Oh, you're taking Kafka's The Trial and breaking it into thirty pieces and performing it randomly." And it's like, yeah, that's no. really not what neo futurism is about. Right. So uh, I, for me, I'm really interested in showing the different facets of neo futurism that can be applied to to performance and and theater. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's also mm-hmm. in, I mean having just done K at the Hypocrites I it makes me appreciate even our primetime audience as being pretty young and hip compla- mm-hmm. compared to any uh theater audience in, in the city as well that we mm-hmm. generally do have a, a younger Demographic of people who come to see yeah. our work, whether it be too much light or a primetime show. And the hip, you're judging by how they dress, <laughs> <laughs> um, how they respond, how they respond. Yeah, I, I think say. so. Respond, mm-hmm. responsive. Right. They're willing to kind of uh, follow us into very, very unconventional places. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, what you take on though by doing a full length piece inevitably is structure, which you don't have to worry about on. Mm-hmm too much light, right? Because it's kind of made I disagree. For you, I mean, really? I think each each two-minute piece or one-minute mm-hmm. or three-minute piece has a very strong structure to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to worry about sustaining structure over two hours or an right. hour and a half. Right. And, and rhythm becomes more important over time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, there has to be – well, maybe you will disagree because I've never tried to write a play. But uh, in my sense of it, the the, the – shift of tones, the how long you stay in a particular scene or moment, mm-hmm. or it's very, it's, it's the musicality, let's say, the, the compositional structure 
that mm-hmm. over uh, which long with too much form, light we just trust the random order to take care of mm-hmm. right. and, and amazingly it works mm-hmm. i mean that's right. one of the fascinating things is mm-hmm. if if you say okay i have no intentionality behind the rhythm or pace or uh, what have you of, of this evening's performance and it still it still works there yeah. are nights where it's like wow that was perfect i yeah. could intellectually have come up with a better order edited and edited yeah. and yeah, edited the, yeah. the order the order is really it's it is something we we speak a lot about because uh-huh. um it's how we discover things in the menu like because we discover things in the show that we had we had no inkling were there um based on how how one play might happen followed immediately by another one. Exactly. Sure. The juxtaposition. Right. Yeah. 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 So are there other piece, ever pieces that you get them up and everybody thinks oh, that's really not very good. It just doesn't work. And then you kick it out. Is Individual that how it works? Pieces, like, yeah. Too much uh-huh. light. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the time. That, yeah. Um, that's one of the nice yeah. things about the planned obsolescence. Mm-hmm. It lets us experiment and fail all the time. Right. And then on the other side though, if something is just so great, how do you get yourself to throw it out? We, um, it's it's a skill. I think it's a skill you have to develop. We've gotten yeah. used to it. I mean, I yeah. think just about anything at this point, if anything's mm-hmm. in like five or six weeks, it just feels stale right. after mm-hmm. a while. I think it's just kind of a mindset that it's like mm-hmm. that's that's what your life expectancy is. Yeah, you can right. live another twelve weeks, or uh-huh. you could live to be two hundred years old, but that's just not natural. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> like when you're you're interested in trying something new out now, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and if this play has to go for that new thing to happen, then this play has to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have. Um, one minute left for you to tell us about the New York company and your future. So you're good to, at fast. I was, go, I was going to say that uh, we would be loath not to mention the New York Neo Futures who've mm-hmm. been performing um, uh, at the Crane for about five years in, in lower Manhattan. They've been around for seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, performing Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind in the same 30 plays in 60-minute format. Doing new plays every week. Um, they've got a, a full ensemble out there of amazing writer-director mm-hmm. performers. They're also doing their own primetime shows. They actually just did uh, did the, the, the one of... Um, the Complete and Abridged stage directions of the of early, works. early works of Eugene O'Neill, which right. got a great write-up in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Well, and how have they become different in some way? Is it recognizably a different company, even though it's We've, the same structure? We try to have a fair amount of cross-pollination so uh-huh. that they come and perform with us and we perform with them. Mm-hmm. We brought in one of their uh, full-length shows as part of our season this year. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, it really comes down to who's on stage at what time. Right. So uh, so it comes down to kind of the individuals. That but the sense. format, the aesthetic of mm-hmm. neo-futurism is, is identical. It could be interesting. I could imagine that even with those things kind of in place mm-hmm. in these two different Venues oh, sure. and cities, and that, that they could veer off in different right. yeah, directions. Twins separated births. Exactly. Yeah. Right. See how they grow up. It, right. it is. I mean, it's interesting when we cross pollinate. Like uh, how how we'll disc- we'll have we have to kind of we we have a common language. You know, it's kind of like having different dialects. It's kind right. of like being, right. being from like the northern and southern parts find of England. Different interpretations of certain things right. and different methodologies. The right. cultures clearly would have to kind of evolve in a little bit. Right. Yeah. All right. So now you have negative 30 seconds <laughs> to talk about the future of the company. Is anything going to change? You're just going to keep doing it? Um, well, uh, I think we've been very successful for, for 23 years and we keep forging ahead with new work. I mean, really, uh, we're committed to change. Right. <laughs> even Good though, point. even though <laughs> what we do, it has the same, the show has the same title for 23 it's years, the longest running right. show in Chicago history. Uh, still, we are constantly exploring new territory and mm-hmm. doing new things mm-hmm. within that format. Right. So, yeah. uh, I, I find it very fulfilling. I think the ensemble does and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. And because because the show and because the company is built on 
the individual work of its ensemble, the ensemble changes as well. Morphs, and that, right. and that, and that changes. I, I think what, what I was thinking about and what's one, one very interesting aspect of the company to me is that you're not trying to be any more than this. It's not like, when do we get to make it our bigger theater or when are we going to have our, <laughs> it would ruin you know, us. right. So there's a certain, <laughs> I mean, if, if we were to perform to a larger house, we would lose Which, the intimacy we have yeah. here. We've tried. And if we were to make it more polished, uh, I think it would also lose that, uh, kind of inevitable authenticity that we have. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really, I think we are at the size that works really well. We can always use more donors. We can always use more, <laughs> more, uh, There's board, some more as you'll accept. Members. Right. Sure, uh, sure. We're expanding our educational offerings a lot. We're teaching mm -hmm. a lot more. I'm teaching a lot more residencies around the country. Um, you know, and, and the sky's still the limit, mm -hmm. but I don't think the conventional ideas of what makes a theater successful are something we're embracing. Right. We, we are probably not going to put up a $65 million Spider-Man show. That's probably not, not, not right. us or even a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> or even a hundred thousand or even yeah. a, <laughs> yeah. we'll stop there. Thank you so much for talking to me about it. Great. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. 